Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all safe and well. Friday lunchtime can only mean one thing. Window watch here on the Pinker, whichever channel you join us on. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, Connor Southall joined by Dave Freezer. We'll be with you for the next half an hour or so to uh, maybe sort the facts from fiction on Norwich City's transfer window and all the speculation that we've had. Any comments, any questions you've got, do get them in uh, down below. We'll try and get through as many as we can before we uh, before we depart you this afternoon. It feels like, even though the transfer window's been open for, what, a couple of, of weeks or so now, it really feels like, Dave, this has been the week that it's really kind of kick-started into gear for Norwich City. Obviously, two signings confirmed, um, a, a few other things sort of bubbling around in the background. It feels like it's really kind of woken up to, to an extent. Yeah, thankfully. I think there's plenty of Norwich fans who were pretty eager for that, just to get that first one over the line. Um, I know it's a case of timing. There is still two months, over two months left of the transfer window. The players aren't even back for pre-season yet. So maybe that anxiety isn't across the board and probably isn't with, with plenty of Norwich fans who were probably pretty relaxed and knew that Stuart Webber would be on top of the situation. But just to swing in like a wrecking ball as Miley Cyrus said, <laughs> uh, with that big signing of Milo Rashica, um, which was very unexpected, hadn't been sort of leaked or reported anywhere. Um, sounds like it's about eight million initially, rising to above club, re club record uh, fees if all the add-ons and stuff follow through. And there's a lot of excitement about it. This is a proven Bundesliga player. Uh, this isn't somebody who we're going to have to wait and see what they're going to what they're going to be capable of. We know what he's capable of. It's whether he can produce it with Norwich under a Daniel Farker style in the Premier League. And I think generally the, the vibe is that he, he looks like a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've got plenty more videos on our, our YouTube channel and content on pinkin.com as well over Rashita and um, people like Nick Ames from The Guardian, Dan O'Hagan, giving their, their expert insight into that signing. But like Dave says, all, all the uh, all the noises at the minute seems to be positive. I can see a lot of questions uh, flooding in already and, and they tend to surround one man. So we'll start with him. That's Celtic's Christopher Ayer, which is someone that Norwich have um, kind of been interested in for a while. It, it was all sort of fairly positive, wasn't it, earlier this week, the noises we were hearing. Um, and then, I mean, you mentioned a wrecking ball there. Pad Frode, uh, threw one in this morning. Norwich have called their interest in him. Um, just talk to us a little bit about that, Dave, and, and maybe our understanding for why that is the case for people who, who maybe haven't read Paddy's bit yet. Yeah, I don't think there was a hashtag no circus involved, was there? That way it didn't quite reach those sort of levels. That that was the the club have just announced Lotus, haven't they? As uh, as being the front of shirt sponsors, that was the the only thing their little mock WhatsApp group was missing was Paddy <laughs> popping in at the bottom saying hashtag no circus. That would have just finished it off nicely. Um, but yeah, I I mean as we reported earlier in the week, really, um, and and as we've said a lot of times, Norwich are looking for their almost their their niche of where they can fit in and get players that maybe some people would think they can't afford. And um, earlier in the week we're, and last week, we were hearing that Red Bull Leipzig and Bayer Leverkusen are interested. You know, if, if Leipzig in particular, they've just swelled their coffers by selling their two best centre-backs, um, Upper Meccano to uh, Bayern Munich and Canate to, to Liverpool. A lot of money. They already have a lot of money. They're a Champions League team. If they want Christopher Ayer ahead of Norwich, they will get him. That's pretty certain. Um, the same as probably just... Uh, picking it out of the air if West Ham want Adam Armstrong ahead of Norwich and that Armstrong deal never comes into the sort of uh, ballpark where Norwich can afford him it's not going to happen West Ham will be able to pay him big wages a lot higher wages than Norwich will so there is going to be a need for that degree of patience and and as the phrase I've used a few times is that, that they are having to cast the net far and wide all across Europe and, and potentially beyond to look for these opportunities. And that's exactly what Rashica represents, isn't it? He's just been relegated. He had a year left on his contract. He'd just gone off the boil a little bit, but had shown that he could be a, a real exciting Bundesliga player in the past. Norwich have nipped in there at the right time, as as you said in our, our video with Dan O'Hagan, Stuart Webber nipping in at the back post with, with the perfectly timed run sort of thing. So it's the same with I. I from what we hear, it's not dead in the water yet. If if he doesn't end up going to Leipzig or Leverkusen or whoever else, then Norwich will still be in the hunt and would still like him. But from how it sounds, it, it looks more likely that those are the sort of teams that he's going to end up with. He is a Norway international. He has won a, a lot of honours with Celtic. So he's a good age. He can get a good contract at this stage. Um, it, it sounds like Norwich aren't the front runners and, and subsequently are... As they already were, they obviously have long lists. They they have to cast their net far and wide at the moment. And 
if Aya doesn't work out, they will have other names um, uh, available to them. And we've already heard two of them linked, haven't we? Um, Tosin Adarabayo at Fulham and uh, Sebastian Bornau at Cologne, who we think they um, like the look of as well. So, yeah, I think Stuart Webber will be full, fully aware of that. And, and Norwich fans have got to uh, take that on board that these things probably will happen now and again. They've happened plenty of times before. They'll happen again. And sometimes you need patience in the transfer market, particularly as a self-funded club. And in Stuart Webber, they have someone who won't hang about. If there's a deal that's not happening or yeah. there's a player who maybe can't be sold, then he will, I don't want to say stick two fingers up literally, but in terms of that phrase, he will move on, won't he, fairly quickly. And there will be other names, that, uh, and you mentioned two there, that Norwich have sort of bubbling underneath not, um, nicely. And and this is the thing, isn't it, when you are a club that looks for opportunities in the market, sometimes you won't be particularly given Brexit and all the other sort of strands to, to this current market, which is making it difficult. Sometimes you won't be the only club to arrive at a certain player. And sometimes the clubs that also arrive maybe have bigger financials involved, geographically are closer to where a player is from. There, there are lots of elements, aren't there, that can that can maybe mean that players look away from Norwich. And I guess what Norwich have at the moment is that Premier League factor and the fact that a lot of players abroad um, or in Scotland, wherever, do want to play in the Premier League and that is a, a big selling point but equally you mentioned there I mean you're, those clubs you mentioned about European football is a is a big thing isn't it there's there's stability in their division as well so yeah not not dead in the water as you say but that's the thing with looking for opportunities in the market sometimes other people can spot them as well yeah and you could say that this is the club being proactive couldn't you um you know this is only from you know the whispers and stuff that we've heard uh, from around the club is that they have now realised that Ayer is probably unlikely and now they're looking at their other options. So they'll keep an eye on Ayer <laughs> without they're getting too much of a tongue twister. Um, but if they are getting the sense that maybe he's holding out for a bigger move, then they are sensible to move on, aren't they, and start looking at their other options and, and perhaps players who do see Norwich as the right step for them. Absolutely. And if you've got any more questions on Christopher, I think we've probably summed up why maybe that interest is called a little bit. But any additional questions, then let us know and we'll we'll strive to answer them. Uh, and then I guess the other one that we kind of reported this week, um, this one did get a no circus from Paddy, was Billy Gilmore, young midfielder from, from Chelsea, Scotland International, really impressed, didn't he, in the Euros with that performance against England. Subsequently, he's tested positive for COVID, currently in self-isolation. But um, by all accounts, this one sounds like a goer. It does. And it's got Norwich fans pretty excited, isn't it? I'm, I think there needs to be a, a degree of tempering expectations for if we get down the road and they do get the deal, which clearly they do. Um, and I'm sure they're not the only ones that, that want Billy Gilmore at the moment. His performance against England last Friday at the Euros at such a young age was very impressive. And he looks like he could be uh, quite a similar vibe to Kenny McLean to me, to a similar type of player, more of a McLean than a than a out-and-out defensive midfielder like Skip, perhaps. Um, would Norwich, if they can get Skip back, pair Gilmore and Skip, such inexperience in central midfield in the Premier League? That seems unlikely to me, but you never know. But for somebody, there's a really good signing there. And immediately when Thomas Tuchel um, arrived at Chelsea, immediately everyone was thinking, can Daniel Farker use that relationship to get in some of their players? Because we all know Chelsea normally have about 500 players out on loan, don't they? And, you know, just, just look at the relegation zone this season. Conor Gallagher went down with West Brom. Ethan Ampadu went down with Sheffield United. They have, and they don't just have young players out on loan either, do they? They develop players into their mid-20s and things like that. They have, because they've got so much money, frankly. So, um, yeah, Gilmore, clearly one they want. Clearly there's going to be competition. The Graeme Souness comments have sort of wound Norwich fans up a little bit as well, haven't they? Him saying that he should look at Foden and how he stayed at Man City and was um, groomed by Pep Guardiola to become this top player. And to be, you know, Guardiola got some criticism along the way as well, didn't he, for not playing him enough. But, you know, trusting Guardiola, he knows what he's doing. Look at him now. He's he's on his way to being a, a real top player the way it looks. So we shall see. Norwich can can offer up Skip as an example, can't they? They can say, look what we've done for his career. We can do the same for Billy in the Premier League this season. And he looks like someone who could be a real asset for Norwich as well. But it sounds like things are well along. Um, it sounds like Norwich are pretty hopeful it's going to happen. He's certainly one of their main midfield targets. Um, but his Euros pro or the Euros has boosted his profile quite a lot. And you just got to be a little bit worried about whether anyone comes in, but no one else has got that trump card of Daniel Farker, have they? And playing the attacking style, which the top teams like, as we saw in the Premier League two seasons ago, 
Norwich tended to look more comfortable against those top sides, didn't they? Because they were trying to play the same sort of football. They weren't going down the Burnley or the Palace route or whatever. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's the trump card. And, and hopefully they'll, they will be able to get that one over the line and it will be a, a real significant addition and an important one as well because central midfield, you've got to be honest, if you look at it on paper today, looks a little bit worrying, doesn't it? Yeah, it absolutely does. And there, there are two interesting elements that you mentioned there. First of which being his performance against England, which, of course, you, you perform on a stage like the Euros, then suddenly I would imagine the phone lights up a little bit uh, with Premier League clubs. There certainly seems to be um, other interest from Premier League clubs. I know Wolves have, have been mentioned. I would imagine there's a, a fair few others as well. Like you say, Norwich down the track. And maybe the advantage that they have is that the head coaches of those respective clubs won't have a direct line to Thomas Tuchel in the same way that maybe Daniel Farker does. And then the second element is this sort of coronavirus diagnosis that is is maybe now created a bit of time that maybe Norwich City didn't need because that has generated a, a little bit of time where other clubs could maybe offer their proposals and state their plans when maybe Norwich could have pressed ahead and got this deal done without it. So that ends, I believe, on Wednesday. So if everything works in, in the way it could, then this could be something that progresses very quickly towards the back end of next week. Um, but as you mentioned, David, it does seem that there's a little bit of nervousness around maybe something else arriving, I guess, similar to, to maybe Aya, something else coming up, something else happening that maybe derails this a little bit of club coming from nowhere That and, and, and this sort of time period has allowed that to happen. But as things stand, as, as you mentioned, everything looks looks fairly positive for him. In it's terms of mentioning uh, that he was injured as well, wasn't he? That he, you know, he made that breakthrough with Chelsea, and then he had a serious knee injury, was out for quite a while, and they were only really easing him back into things. So that might actually sort of play into the um, hands of a, of a loan deal being his next best move, which, which would be probably that key difference between the Foden situation, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and worth stating as well, not not a done deal. Um, I don't think we've ever said it's a done deal, but um, certainly one that is, is progressing nicely in the background and, and Norwich remain hopeful. So um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that one progresses next week. In terms of what that means for Norwich's pursuit of Skip, and maybe I'll throw Matty Longstaff in there as well, who's been a, another Premier League young, well, youngish midfielder that, that they've been linked with this week via the Chronicle up in the North East, uh, Newcastle United midfielder. They're only allowed two Premier League loans, aren't they? So mm. if they did get Gilmore over the line, that would probably mean that's that sort of spare space is left open for, for Ollie Skip, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't see Matty along stuff. That doesn't quite tally for me. He scored that, he scored a brilliant goal in his debut, didn't he, against Man United? Or I think it was one of his early games anyway for Newcastle. Mm. But always looked pretty lightweight to be honest and, and and you know a trier but from what I'd seen of him maybe during difficult times at Newcastle he didn't really seem to be setting the world alight and uh, faded away from things really didn't he so I think you take Gilmore ahead of him he would probably be your plan b to to Gilmore potentially if, if that wasn't to come off but yeah as I said with with Gilmore I don't think he's the same player as, as Skip anyway is he and and even with Skip, you know, he's brilliant last year, but we know the step up is huge. And we all think he'd be good enough for the Premier League at this stage. But I think you'd need another defence midfielder. Whether they feel that is Jacob Sorensen's, uh, Sorensen, we'll see. From what we saw of him in central midfield in the limited bursts last season, he didn't. I didn't think he actually looked that defensive. He looked more like an all-round sort of box-to-box central midfielder. So I, I just wonder whether you need the... Tete replacement in there as well not a 34 year old but maybe a 26 27 year old someone with proper experience maybe someone you've got to spend a bit of money on who um can really bring that ballast and that experience to your midfield um yeah I I think certainly if it's Gilmore and Skip then all right you're in a good position but I, I think you're going to want to add some experience into there because you've got what McLean Rupp and Sorensen but beyond that there's not really any recognised senior central midfielders and you know we saw that how that evolved under Daniel last year how he sort of found that that double pivot that finally worked in terms of having the balance we saw it at some times maybe with Leitner and Tete um Vrancic and Tete maybe at, at points and um but the, the balance between McLean and Skip in terms of being a defensive shield but still being able to contribute in terms of the passing going forward that was the best balance I think we've seen um, in front of a great balance as well in, in Gibson and Hanley. So that's one that has got to improve. Across the board, obviously, they have to improve in every single position if they're going to survive in the Premier League this season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that central midfield area develops in the next sort of month or so. 
Absolutely. And a lot has been made about Gilmore's height as well. I think five foot five and, and he's a bit of an enforcer, does like a, ch- a challenge. I, I guess maybe similar, you put him in, in the Harrison Reed kind of camp style of player, potentially. But again, bearing in mind Norwich, and, and we've heard that from sort of Weber himself, talk about physicality and a need for not necessarily physicality as being big and tall and strong, but different sorts of physicality in terms of sprints and stuff like that. And I guess Gilmore ticks the box from a different perspective. It does feel, as he sort of listed the midfield options there, that Norwich lack a real kind of enforcer. Someone I always, for some reason, I mentioned this to someone I was speaking to yesterday, I always think about kind of Kiyate when he was at West Ham and obviously now at Palace. Is someone who's just quite big and physical, I guess, maybe what Ibrahim Amadou was supposed to be. That that kind of feels like the hole that they're kind of missing in, in that midfield at the moment. I don't know kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's that's a good shout. And, and there was that Arsenal game, wasn't there, where Amadou looked awesome apart from some atrocious shooting uh, and made that heroic block late in the game. And then I think it was the Southampton away game that followed that and he had a dreadful game. So he was one who clearly you always have to give the context that his move was totally thrown out of whack by him having to convert back into a centre-back almost immediately and spend a lot of time there in the Premier League. And that's not why he joined. Um, so if that hadn't happened, maybe things have been different and they would have been able to to get him in from the start and he would have been able to build. But by that point, it seemed like he just wasn't, he hadn't settled. I don't think he spoke particularly good English. And uh, yeah, when it came around to January, it seemed that both parties were, were happy to go their separate ways. And he he went uh, to Leganes, I think, wasn't it, in, in Spain and, and finished the season with them. I think he got relegated as well from from Spain um, and is now back with, with Sevilla, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's, possibly the sort of signing i don't think he's going to come back is he because <laughs> that no, one didn't work no. out um but yeah that in terms of the physicality he certainly had it didn't he looked like the sort of premier league unit that you see who have been so um so successful in in, in the premier league and yeah they definitely will need that that muscle in the middle and, and that is uh something they're going to miss from from alex tetty having left but um yeah that that isn't billy gilmore um skip yeah, he does do that, doesn't he? But he's not big and strong. So I, I do think you need that that separate option. Rupp and McLean as well. Then they're, they're not that sort of player, are they? So yeah, a bit of muscle seems like a probably a decent priority to add into that midfield mix. Absolutely. And just to be absolutely clear, I'm not advocating that Norwich re-sign Ibrahim Amadou or, <laughs> yeah. or sign Kiate either, but just someone of that ilk, someone in that yeah. world. I'm sure people will know the type of midfielder that I'm I'm kind of thinking about there um it's it's been a busy week for for links as it always seems to be so um let's start i guess with with the other midfield option that, that maybe is on the list which we had this morning uh nias who's at, at lille this was one that, that you worked up so speak to us a little bit about this one and maybe why it isn't an option for for Norwich city at this stage yeah th- this is a bit of an odd one um you occasionally get agents popping up this was apparently a lawyer uh oh. one of his representatives basically but um it's a regional newspaper in in france who cover lille and um basically they've got some quotes from him saying that they want to know what's going on with his future because they had assurances last year he's only 21 senegalese defensive midfielder um then didn't play for lille who ended up winning the french title so that's probably why and then in January he went out on loan to Panathinaikos um, we know Norwich keep an eye on um, Greece they signed Yunulis of course in in, uh, in January and and played regularly for them so he's at the point of his career where they want him to kick on there he either wants to be playing regularly for Lille next year or he wants to move on and basically his representative was saying we need some um, stability here they haven't got a manager at the moment and they had new owners come in mid-season so Basically, he was saying, look, if you're not going to use him this season, then we've got interest from, as he claimed, uh, Norwich, Servet, Club Bruges, Angers in uh, in France. So top top flight um, clubs all, all, all interested, as he claimed. But from what we hear, you know, he might be a player that Norwich have looked at, they've scouted and, and maybe spotted in Greece and, and are going to keep an eye on how his career develops. But it doesn't sound like they are actively pursuing that or it's one that they are uh, looking to get over the line or anything like that at the moment, um, you know, maybe somewhere down the line. But of course, they signed Melvin City, didn't they, from the French second tier, which was January 2020. He was playing regularly for Sochal and that's not worked out at all, is it? He went out on loan and, OK, it was injury affected. And then I think he had um, he had self outside for COVID for a bit as well, didn't he? And that didn't work out. They brought him back. So the, as things are, are set up, he might be needed in pre-season <laughs> as a defensive midfielder until uh, until somebody, maybe Skip, comes back. Um, hopefully Skip uh, eventually 
um, just because they haven't really got any numbers. But his career is really not not got going in England as he's kind of become the forgotten man and he is a uh, a defensive midfielder. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's a name we need to uh, need to be worrying too much about. Uh, Czech Nias at Lille. Yeah, there you go. You can cross that one off your list if, if you've uh, if you've made one. France is an interesting market anyway at the moment, isn't it? Because yeah. of obviously the financial difficulties in there. It's one we know Norwich are, are actively monitoring as, as they do with a lot of markets across Europe. I think it's in, in many ways as difficult as the window is at the moment. It's maybe um, there's a lot of good opportunities in there at the minute for Norwich City, which is probably why you're seeing them get a link to a lot of players because no doubt they will have they will have looked at a lot of them. One of those isn't, um, as I think most Norwich fans would expect, Martin Braithwaite from Barcelona. However, I think that Norwich were, were chucked in a, a report with a few other clubs, uh, a Barcelona-based newspaper this came from, didn't it? But I think when you get in, uh, sort of break it down and look at the pure numbers of it uh, and maybe his, his wage demands, particularly at Barcelona at the moment, this is one that we can we can write off as a complete non-starter. Yeah, it just doesn't fit the Norwich sort of profile at all, does it? I mean, to be perfectly honest, he's had quite a strange career, isn't he? You know, Middlesbrough for £9 million, that didn't work out, fell out with Tony Pulis, went back to France on loan, played played with Gibson in his first season and Jordan Hugo in his second season when he was at Borough, so they'll, they'll know a bit about him, but didn't really score goals for Borough. Then he's gone to, I think that was Leganes as well, wasn't it, in Spain? And and this strange situation emerged where Barcelona were given special dispensation to sign a, a forward because um, they basically didn't have any fit and Dembele had got a, a serious injury, which is strange. I don't think that would be allowed in England. And uh, he had a release clause, which they activated about 16 million. And then basically they've sat him on the bench for the last, what, 18 months or so. And he's scored, I think, eight goals in 50-odd games for Barcelona. So... And he's a Denmark international. The Euros, he's playing on the wing, oddly. And But, you know, he's 30. He's not had the most convincing of careers. He'll be on big wages. The report said that they are looking to recover as much of that 16 million as they can. And just doesn't seem to quite fit the mould. I mean, is he an upgrade on Jordan Hugel, even though he's at Barcelona? I mean... I, I, I wouldn't say greatly, <laughs> you know, I know he's got that flexibility, but when you talk about the the value that you, that is coming with it, A, it doesn't really seem conceivable for Norwich at the moment, uh, and B, I don't think they really need him. Certainly in terms of priorities at the moment, centre-back and central midfield are, are far more pressing than signing a player like Martin Brathwaite, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I, it immediately didn't seem like a goer to us, and, and from what we hear, not something that Norwich are remotely interested in. Yeah, there you go. So that's that's another one. We might as well continue just to strike them off before we get to uh, to your guys' uh, questions and and comments. So do keep them coming in. Uh, Santiago Moreno, which is one I think Footballer Insider has, has said today, uh, another one we can strike off the list purely. Uh, and I think we've spoken about this before in other mm. ones that we've done. South America, while being a market that is open because obviously the Brexit regulations that came into force in January that's almost been instantly closed because of the COVID regulations. And so Norwich's recruitment team physically can't get out there to look at players at the moment. That's before you get into the difficulties in terms of third party um, ownership and obviously the, the the tests of character and stuff they want to do, which will obviously be difficult as well. They've done a lot of work in Brazil and, and Argentina. I think this uh, Santiago Moreno is a, a Colombian uh, based player, I believe. So uh, in and around that, that market and probably will be a lot of value for Norwich in that market in the future when travel restrictions are are eased significantly and they can get out there. But I think it's fair to say at the moment, any kind of South American player, particularly for this window, can maybe discount on the basis that Norwich City aren't going to invest a significant sum of money into a player that they physically can't get out to go and watch, if that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're not monitoring things, but just you, you almost fair play to them. To, for, I'm sure there are plenty of clubs, plenty of managers, sporting directors, whatever, who have signed players on the basis of DVDs. And that's not how Norwich do business. They like to actually get out there to speak to people around the club, get a vibe for what the personality is like, what the people around the player are like, really, you know, do the, the full job. And um, for a player to come from the South American League and step straight into the Premier League isn't common for a start. This is a young lad. He's playing for America de Cali, who I don't really know anything about. But uh, Colombia, in terms of the Brexit regulations, uh, the Colombian League is ranked as band four in terms of when you're picking up the points. And the Brazilian and Argentine leagues are band two. So they'd be the equivalent to the championship. So it gets pretty complicated. But the fact that he plays 
uh, in the Copa Libertadores for them as well means that he probably would get a work permit. But anyway, Football Insider is saying that Rangers are thinking they're going to get him for about three million, um, but that Norwich, one of the clubs rivaling um, uh, as well. But um, as you've just teed up there, as, as far as we understand it, Norwich aren't pursuing anyone from South America at the moment. And, and this lag in, lad in particular, uh, who's a, a young winger, I think he's 21, uh, apparently building himself a, a good reputation, but not one that Norwich are, are going after at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Brazil and, and Argentina, as we mentioned, a lot of work been been done into those. But I think just the, the logistics of signing someone from South America at this present time with the COVID restrictions is very, very difficult. So, um, as I said, the door that's been opened, but one that they probably find closed again for, for reasons out of their control. Um, Stephen Bergwist from from PSV, this is the, the next one we, we had and we are... Uh, Sort of twenty-nine-year-old winger, uh, four million was was uh, a release clause was was quoted by by PA. Uh, I think this was uh, a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? And um, it is one that Norwich were aware of, were potentially interested in, but ultimately one that didn't get done. We've obviously seen Rashita arrive through the door, so uh, again another one that we can strike off the list. But this one, perhaps unlike the others, was definitely a player that Norwich City were interested in at one stage. Yeah. And, and again, as we said earlier, they are looking and monitoring a lot of players. So that that's possibly why we've seen so many. You know, it is now over 50 players they've been linked with since um, uh, since promotion. Uh, so which all started with Christopher Ayer, which was uh, like two days after the Bournemouth game. I think that's when it all really ramped up, wasn't it? So this always happens with newly promoted clubs to the Premier League that they're sort of uh, an easy target for agents to drop in and and for uh, you know transfer websites and and tabloid newspapers and stuff. It's easy to just chuck Norwich into the list of clubs, isn't it? And that's probably why, partly why we've seen the link with so many. But equally, it's because Norwich will have been doing a lot of scouting. Again, using that phrase, uh, casting their net far and wide. So in some countries, that stuff comes out quite quickly, doesn't it? Oh, there's a Norwich scout from here. They're having a look at this player. They tell the local paper and bang, you've got a story which uh, does the rounds on the internet and ends up being picked up back in Norfolk eventually by us if it's uh, if it's a story that's worthwhile, um, worthwhile telling. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to sort of leave that one, but I, they will have been interested in him. I think he had a year on his contract as well, didn't he, Berg- Berghaus? He's been in action at the Euros for Holland. I think he made his first day, uh, first appearance off the bench the other day. Um, and he's a good level player, sort of similar to Rashica, really, isn't he, in what he's achieved, but a bit older. Uh, I think he's 29. But we've seen some quotes last few days, basically from him saying that he's looking to step up from Vinor to a club who's playing Champions League football and Ajax are being linked quite strongly with him now. So, again, a bit like we said with Aya earlier, um, with Red Bull Leipzig. If if a club like Ajax comes in as competition for Norwich, it's pretty likely they're going to win that race. Okay, financially they might not be wealthier than Norwich because the Premier League obviously has all that money. Um, but it's Ajax. It's a massive club. Um, not that long ago they were in the Champions League final, were they? And they um, will be able to offer Champions League football and silverware. It's just probably the, a, a big thing for a guy who's been playing at at Feyenoord. So you know that shows. I think most people, when that name popped up, were like, well, that looks like a really good signing potentially. So, you know, Norwich were heading down the right road, particularly with a €4 million release clause. He would have been potentially a great signing, but just maybe one that they were perhaps a little bit too ambitious with. But there's nothing wrong with that, because if they come off, like with Rashica, then um, you can strike gold, hopefully. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you've got my Dutch clubs mixed up though. So PSV, I've even got final written down in front of me. So no idea where they came from, but there you go. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of the ambition point. And uh, so it's, it's almost a, a, a word that Norwich fans like to throw throw at the club, isn't it? As a stick to beat them with sometimes uh, easily, um, which again, whether you agree with that or don't. But in, in terms of the profile and calibre of players they approach, I think you're right. When you look at your new list and Rashica, the players they have pulled off that maybe if you're looking from afar, you could say in terms of the clubs they're at and reputation that actually they've maybe pulled off a bit of a coup. So it's um it's an interesting one because if you don't aim high, then ultimately you never get those players in the end. But it can mean that often you, you leave yourself open to an IA situation or the situation we spoke about there where other clubs come in that are maybe more attractive. So it's part of the strategy, I guess, and, and maybe a, a detracting element of it. But um, yeah, you have to, I guess, credit Norwich for, for, for approaching these players and looking to get those deals done. Just finally, in terms of deals that, that we can strike off, uh, this one has been has been kind of 
on and off all summer, as you mentioned, has been one of those. Jaden Bogle, I think, uh, is, is gathered a bit of pace again. It was in that PA report we mentioned. I think Sky have, have repeated it. Also, the uh, the local paper uh, covering Sheffield United, where he's currently playing, have, have repeated this as well. Um, as far as we're concerned, he, he isn't a player that, that Norwich City are, are pursuing at this point. I think it's it's fairly obvious to see the links. And as you mentioned, we, we speak about agents quite a lot. Norwich City are an attractive club for a player to be linked with because... They improve young players. I think they've got a reputation throughout football of being quite smart in terms of the way they do their recruitment. So if you're a, a different club and you see Norwich getting linked to a player, then you might think, OK, well, they've got their head switched on. We'll yeah. just kind of we'll kind of follow along. So they're an attractive club to be linked with. And I think maybe that's what we've seen this summer, Dave. I think that's fair to see a, a lot of agents linking clubs with with Norwich because of maybe the reputation of their recruitment and, and their development of young players specifically. Yeah, there was a nice line from Nick Ames when he was speaking to Paddy, wasn't he, in the video about Rashidza and about his sort of Kosovan roots and that backstory. Um, and I think Nick's an Ipswich fan, isn't he? Uh, if I'm not yes, getting that yeah. wrong. Yeah. And, but he spoke very highly and said that the, the scouts and Stuart Webber, obviously in particular, are a lot more switched on than a lot of um, staff at other clubs. So what you just said there probably flows in that, some clubs probably do just keep an eye on who Norwich are going for and uh, and maybe Brentford as well. You know, some of these clubs um, who are really hot on the data and the scouting and stuff. But um, but anyway, yeah, Bogle, I mean, this is a nice and simple one, really, isn't it? Because Max Aarons is Norwich City's right back. And unless he's leaving, there's no way Joden Bogle is coming in. And probably is no, unless there's something, unless Sam Byram's recovery doesn't go to plan, then you've already got Bali Mumba there. As far as we are aware, they're not looking for another right back. So, if Max were to go, maybe that's one that they'd um, look at again. He was an England youth international, but frankly, I, you know, there's there's a, a couple of links from Sheffield United, which are obvious, but they had such a bad season that I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be keen to go after any Sheffield United players at the moment because I'd feel like they would bring a, a bit of negativity into the camp quite quickly, potentially, you know, and maybe initially they'd be fine. But if they then find that Norwich, that they're in a sort of survival scrap again with Norwich, which we're all hoping they can sort of at least stay clear of. But odds are that Norwich are going to be battling down in that bottom sector of the division, aren't they? Is somebody going to have that hunger and that mental strength to go from what Sheffield United had just been through to then into another relegation battle? For me, that I wouldn't want to be sort of taking any of that negativity potentially into the squad at all. So um, unless you really rated him, and I don't think Bogle particularly tore up any trees for Sheffield United, did he? And I don't think he really did for Derby either. He he kind of built a reputation on his on his potentials. Uh, from what I've seen of him, he look, looks okay. You know, he's good going forward, but he looked more of a championship standard player uh, to me. So um and he, the British premium as well. Um, he would probably cost a fair bit for um, for the player that he is. So as things stand, it's a pretty easy one to not worry about. Yeah, absolutely is. And uh, I think you're right there in terms of every, everything that you say. It's 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 really it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see what, what happens with Max and what Norwich do and whether any interest does pop up as it has done in, in the last two windows. And um, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. Uh, good afternoon to the folks that have commented there. One from Finland, which is which is uh, nice to see. We're, uh, we're branching out into into Europe. Um, we've had a question from Carl on Facebook who uh, said fantastic news on the new sponsor, Lotus, how does Rashita compare to Emi Buendia? Um, we, we won't discuss this now, Carl, because we, we actually spoke to Dan O'Hagan, who is a, a Bundesliga commentator, someone who knows far more about German football than, than certainly myself. I, I can't speak for Dave, but um, it's, it's well worth checking out his uh, his view. So you can go over to our YouTube page. I think it's probably on our Facebook page as well if you if you scroll down and find that and you can get kind of a, a detailed look at, at Rashita and, and, and what sort of player um, he is. Uh, Matt Gregory, interestingly, says away from Norwich, looks like Emmy will have uh, an even bigger role at Villa. Now, Jack Grealish is uh, reportedly joining Manchester City for 100 million, although lots of contrasting reports about that at the moment. Um, uh, one, uh, Another one on YouTube uh, from I'm the Dude Dude, which is a great name. They said, do you think Norwich will do what they did with Rashita and just announce more signings out of the blue? I, I think it's fair to say the Rashita element. We had it with Pookie, didn't we, a few seasons ago. I remember you telling that tale of, of you guys all being at Paddy's wedding when, when that one broke. Sometimes signings just pop out of the blue, but it's, it tends to be very rare, doesn't it, in, in terms of for a signing not to reach us or somebody or someone in the country, maybe where a player is joining. It's an incredibly rare occurrence. So um, it, it will be interesting to see if there's any more, but certainly from 
our understanding doesn't seem like at the minute that there's anything imminent in, in terms of incomings and uh, or outgoings, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could probably say today we don't think they're going to be signing anyone, but that's easy after they've signed three in the last three days, isn't it? Um, but Kieran Dowell's one that springs to mind as well. There was no speculation with Dowell, was there? So that's always the aim from the club, obviously. They, they don't want it leaking out, do they? They want to keep these things to themselves and then generate that positivity that Rashica did immediately on Tuesday. Um, so, but the way that the football industry works, that's not always possible. I mean, Amadou, we mentioned him earlier. You remember all that fuss with, uh, I can't even remember how it un- unfolded, but it had broken They're tracking in. tracking a plane, weren't they? Some Norwich fans, is that right? Yeah, people were tracking the flight on, on apps and stuff, weren't they, of, of where he was and he was over um, France and, you know, he's on his way to Norfolk. And, and, and until that we actually got wind that that was definitely happening we were still wondering if it was just a load of rubbish and Norwich fans have been tracking the wrong plane, but they weren't, they were, they were spot on and that seemed to have come from the Spanish end. So um, yeah, the different cultures in different countries um, in terms of football um, become quite evident sometimes, you know, we see um, how many rumours have we seen from Turkey over the years. And as soon as it's come from one of those sort of quite, obscure Turkish websites you just you're a bit skeptical straight away because they seem to just write whatever they want don't they and there doesn't necessarily need to be much truth behind it or any truth at all yeah. and and even Italy Italy can be quite um voracious in terms of their um transfer uh tittle tattle if you want to put it like that whereas um I think in this country you don't you don't tend to get stuff that's come out of nowhere too much maybe online but in terms of the national newspapers I know I, I won't list them, but they're not universally popular for various different reasons. And, and I probably agree with lots of them. But the sports desks at these big papers are, tend to be different entities and they are very well connected and well resourced. And they tend to, if they've got a rumour, um, they tend to have some substance to it. So um, whereas in other countries, it seems, you know, you only need one mention of a name and you're off. And there's 10 different websites saying that this is definitely happening. What was the one? Uh, was it last? summer or two summers ago with Besiktas and Pookie and I think it was Besiktas wasn't it and they were just flooding his Instagram on like every single post he'd ever written it just had come to Besiktas and stuff so um yeah that's that's the how the club would prefer it to be that's how all clubs would probably prefer it to be but ultimately that's just not realistic a lot of the time yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that sums up probably why a lot of stuff does get out there as well a lot of the time because of, of how people, how well resourced people are, particularly from, from elsewhere. So it's um, it, it's always interesting, I think, when one slips under the radar. And agents uh, as well, of course. Agents purposefully found those flames a lot of the time, don't they? Yeah. Of course they do. As we spoke about in terms of Norwich being an attractive club, it's kind of why you have to take things with a lot of a, a pinch of salt at times. Um, Joe Hinchcliffe has asked on YouTube, one, uh, this is an interesting question, one player from the Euros that you'd like to see in Norwich's starting eleven. Uh, I guess he means realistic because he's gone and say no Ronaldo's and Mbappe and etc. So uh, I think we, we may be planning to do something around this at some point. Dave, so maybe we won't show our hand completely, but is there one player in particular that, that you've enjoyed watching so far at the Euros that you think yeah, be all right if Norwich could, could take a look at that? The one that springs to mind, I nearly tweeted something about this the other day, but I, I didn't bother in the end, is, is Glenn Kamara with Finland, who I'm just surprised has not been linked with Norwich because of the Pookie link. And you, you'd think that Pookie could tap him up a little bit almost, but I think maybe that's an indication of the fact that Kamara is probably looking at higher level clubs than Norwich now. He's been really good for Rangers. He's playing for Steven Gerrard, which for any midfielder is is quite a thing, isn't it? To be playing for one of the best uh, midfielders ever from this country, certainly, and, and probably up there with the best midfielders uh, in European football ever. And certainly most successful anyway. He's going to be probably playing Champions League football with Rangers next year, although I think they have to qualify still, don't they? Um, but at least it'll be um, Europa League. He's won a title. He's playing for a massive club. Norwich would have to make that deal seriously worth it for him, a bit like they did with Gary Hooper with Celtic back in uh, what would that have been, 2013. Um, I'm not sure he's necessarily attainable, but given what we were talking about earlier, in terms of a central midfielder and a defensive central midfielder as well, I think he'd be a great addition to the Norwich team because his possession stats are excellent as well. I think he'd really fit into Farker's team. Um, He might be 
an expensive signing for Norwich, but attainable if he was interested. It just, um, I keep coming back to him and trying to persuade myself that it, it, it might be possible, but uh, it, it seems unlikely to me, unless, unless maybe they did really flood the coffers because Campwell and Aaron's both got big money moves. And um, that's probably seeming unlikely now that at least one of them will still be around, you would have thought. Um, so, yeah, unless they've got loads of money to spend, I can't see him being a realistic option. But when you actually just sat there watching the games without doing some proper scouting it's and, and looking at how old people are and their experience and, and, and their contract status and stuff like that, it's, it's, there's a reason why people get paid a lot of money to do that. It's those things with football clubs. <laughs> Yeah, there definitely is. And I'll give it, I'll give an example of what you said there. I was watching Denmark play and uh, uh, I saw one of, one of their players, uh, a nice a nice winger. I think I've, I've mentioned this to you before, Dave, uh, Mikkel Damsgaard. And I thought, oh, he, lo- he looks tidy. I have a little look at him. So he's 20, 20 years old playing at Sampdoria. And I've just Googled his name again to make sure I got, I got the club right um, where he's at. And uh, I'm, I'm immediately it flashes up with Leeds being linked with 40 million quid. So then immediately you sort of step back and go, yeah, that's that's probably uh, yeah. unattainable for Norwich. But he's, he's been a really enjoyable player. But um, Joe, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll just keep our cards sort of close to our chest on that one because we may end up doing something um, around that sort of subject, which, of course, you'll be able to see on, on pinkin.com. What I think is interesting is, is that Norwich have gone and signed someone from a country who aren't at the Euros. They've gone and signed one, basically Kosovo's best player, or certainly one of Kosovo's best players. Um, so maybe again, as we've talked about so many times, as Farker and Weber both said, they need to be creative. They need to find um, the sort of hidden gems. They've gone where people aren't looking at the moment. They look, you know, Aya is another example. Norway aren't at the Euros, are they? Maybe those are the guys who are a bit off the radar. The the bigger clubs who are monitoring the Euros closely. Norwich probably, of course, will be monitoring it and scouting it thoroughly. But Norwich will probably look at the Euros as being a market that isn't necessarily where they're going to get the value they're looking for. So, um, yeah, I think that's an interesting element to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and as we said earlier, you, you perform at the Euros and suddenly you enter a different sphere in terms of clubs that are interested and and whatnot. And in many ways, like you said there, it's it's kind of... It's easy recruitment, isn't it? Watch the Euros, pick the best player, sign them. I mean, that's that's kind of not yeah. really the way Norwich City do it because as soon as you enter, let's let's take the the Danish lad that I spoke about there for example. Suddenly, he'll have six or seven clubs interested in him without doubt this summer because of what it's he's done. A great exactly, and and that just goes to show um, kind of the power of the Euros as well. I suppose I'm just um, looking through our comments to see if we've got anything else a few names that we've spoken about in the past that are coming up uh, again one of which is um from I, I saw on twitter so i'll mention this one now from the north macedonian canaries which i'm pretty sure is certainly not a fan group that i've heard of before but um uh, thank about uh, thank them for for their for their tweet to us um i did make a note of this they said any update with osan tufan at fenerbahce is a potential target uh, you reported this a couple of months ago if i remember correctly certainly one that was linked he was in that um kind of bubble of players that you mentioned that was kind of linked after their promotion wasn't it and haven't really heard anything subsequently uh from sort of the noises we hear not one that no city are, are interested with kind of falls in the the category that we spoke about earlier about turkish transfer rumors and that that sphere doesn't it where things can pop up often lacking substance and i think he's been linked with liverpool and palace and and other teams as well and not must admit not been too impressed with him at the euros either um from, yeah. from what i've seen but then turkey haven't particularly been been that impressive so yeah i think that's that's one you can you can sort of strike off your list um joe drury on facebook has said will jordan hugill get a chance this season dave what's, what's kind of your thinking around jordan jordan hugill obviously understudy for large parts of last season timu buki clearly is is daniel farker's preferred choice i think you could probably have a, a plethora of strikers in the club and he'd probably still pluck out timu buki is the one he wants to play for norwich and some interesting sort of um well it was interesting performances from from timu buki at the euros for lots of reasons and um, just talk to us a little bit about jordan hugel and kind of your your thoughts around him this for this season coming up yeah, I, I think Hugo's an interesting one because you think about all the praise he got from from Farker and the players for being such a great team player, a bit of a cultural architect in the dressing room, uh, sort of the fun of the party almost. We saw him bringing out the beers after the Bournemouth game and, and kicking the balls on the roof and messing about. He's a big character, isn't he? And um, him and Gibson in particular were sort of singled out by Farker for the positivity they brought when, when they signed. And um, he... It seems to be a very popular guy in the camp to then turn around and say, oh, thanks very much. We're promoted now. 
you can go would not probably go down too well, I wouldn't have thought. Um, so as we sit at the moment, I think certainly if I was Hugo, I'd be saying, no, no, I'm, I'm happy here. I'll be fighting for my, my place. Um, I'm one injury away from getting an opportunity in the Premier League. I'm, what is he, 29, I think, 28, 29. He's probably not going to get another Premier League opportunity. So unless they're planning to force him out of the door, which I do not get any suggestion that they are, um, I think it's more, you know, if a good opportunity came up for him that suited him and the club, then maybe they'd explore it because, he knows that he's not ahead of Timu Puki in the pecking order as things stand. Um, but equally, um, Puki is like Grant Hanley. We'll see what happens with Hanley's injury. We're waiting for an update on, on that side of things. Um, they're probably going to have a bit of a belated start to preseason. So there might be the opportunity for Eder and Hugill to, to lay down a marker. Uh, we don't know how Farker plans to use Rashica yet either, do we? That he obviously has quite a bit of experience as a striker. You might see him playing there a bit in pre-season while Pukki's out um, or while Pukki's sort of being eased into things, I should say. Um, he'll be interested to see what happens actually with Pukki when he after having the, the ankle injury um, leading up to Finland and stuff. He probably will need a bit, bit of a break because uh, him and Hanley played a lot of football this season. So, yeah, for me, that's probably one that we might end up revisiting during August, you know, if he finds uh, a bit like Tim Closer did at the start of this season, that he's not really in Daniel Farker's thinking for those first few games and that that Premier League opportunity isn't going to be there. And, you know, he had loans in the past and he spent the year with QPR, year with, uh, with Middlesbrough on loan. If that sort of thing were to crop up again and he really thinks, now there's no point me kicking my heels here, I want to play football, then it might happen. But equally... If you score, you come off the bench at the right time, you score a head at a corner and Norwich win a game, he's got lift off, isn't he? And to be fair to him, he, he had a pretty um, harsh season, didn't he, with with the injuries, the way he's picked up like that shoulder injury at Middlesbrough. The way he picked that up was quite strange. And when he hurt his hamstring at Barnsley and FA Cup, I think was the second one, wasn't it? So he had a bit of bad luck along the way. And Generally, from what we saw, you know, he's a very different player from Pookie. Technically, he's not that kind of level, is he? But he is a hard worker. He's a bit of a battering ram. And as an impact player, you never know, he might be useful. But from, from what we've heard, it, it's more that Eder is ahead of him in the pecking order as things stand. And and that really was where Eder had pretty much progressed to before he got his injury when he was away with Ireland and his red card and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, just another department of the Norwich City squad, which is going to be really interesting to to see develop. And, and that is probably a key thing to remember that the transfer window closes after three league games and the League Cup second round game will have been played. So, um, yeah, just because it's uh, that's the squad for kickoff against Liverpool doesn't mean that will be the squad at the end of August. Yeah, absolutely spot on, I think, in, in terms of Jordan Hugel there. Uh, I think Mitchell on YouTube is suggesting that you look a bit like Eddie Hearn, I think, from his from his comments. I'm not sure if that's one you've had before, Dave. Me? But, uh, yeah, well, I, I don't think he means me. So um, <laughs> uh, there you go. Eddie Hearn, eh? Okay. I wish I had his money. Is that, well, is that a new one for you? Have you had Eddie Hearn before? No, I used to get Paul McVeigh when I was younger, but I don't think I look remotely like Paul McVeigh now. <laughs> um, no, as long as it's not James Corden. My sisters like to tell me I look like James Corden, but that's, oh, right. just, that's just winding me up. But I'm, I'm not having it at all. <laughs> there you go. Well, beyond, beyond that, why I think you mentioned there was a was it a glasses model or something that looked like me? I, I don't have too many. I don't think which is which oh is yeah, it was on the oh. um, Benjamin Foundation website. I think wasn't yeah. it? Uh, one of the Norfolk charities. I can't remember why I went on their website, but there was a, a model and it looked like a 14 year old you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, lucky them. That's that's all you can say. To that, <laughs> I used to get Stephen Merchant when I was at school, but that was just because of tall and glasses. That was about it, really. Um, <laughs> Let's see. I think we've got Darren. I've just cut off his name here. Darren Taylor, who said Adam Armstrong link. Uh, any any more from that? Not that we're aware. I think that's probably one that's fairly unlikely at this stage anyway, um, just in terms of numbers and, and clubs interested. Maybe falls into kind of everything we've spoken about, about opportunities. And if mm. certain stuff aligned, which is probably the case with, well, I guess Philip Billing as well, you can talk to talk about that with. If, if it all aligned and opportunity um, sort of arose, then I think Norwich City would pursue it. But at the moment, nothing sort of new to, to report on that. Uh, Robert Andrick, he was the Union Berlin midfielder, wasn't he? So, uh, nothing new on that front either. Uh, let's see what else we have got in terms of the comments. Lots of people asking about Brandon Williams, Dave. I guess this kind of leans into what we spoke about, about Max earlier and, and his situation, because unless 
something happens with him and, and uh, certainly what Manchester United look like they're trying to do is convert Brandon Williams from a left back into a right back. Uh, he's right footed. So that makes a lot of sense for lots of reasons. Looked pretty good. I thought when, particularly in the old Trafford game, when, when Norwich played Manchester United yeah. a couple of years ago, looked pretty impressive. Would be that kind of mix. But again, we, we're kind of into the element where Norwich can have two Premier League loans. If they want Billy Gilmore and they want Ollie Skip, then they can't have Brandon Williams. If they want Billy Gilmore and Brandon Williams, they can't have Ollie Skip. So all of this stuff has to go in their thinking as well. But by all means, it does sound like a player that Norwich City would be interested in in terms of the profile and stuff like that. Yeah, I and mean, there's Nico Williams, which is a similar case, isn't it? But um, it sounds like Liverpool are actually willing to sell him. Um, so that's that's interesting. Wales International, we all know Stuart Webber as well. So he could be a name to remember if Max Aarons did end up going. But again, as as we sort of said earlier with Bogle, yeah, if, if, if Max doesn't go, then it doesn't look like the fullbacks are going to change too much. I mean, initially we'd heard that Sam McCallum would be going back out on loan and that they want him at the top end of the championship this year really prove that because he's still so young and they got him on a long contract and he's had a good start to his career but stepped up from non-league that he's a real project one for them but he might end up getting opportunities in, in pre-season and particularly if, if Byram's fitness doesn't work out as hoped uh, and might just be able to force his way into things but yeah it, it still feels like you've got to keep an eye a close eye on what's going on with the fullbacks because um on, on the face of it, it looks short, doesn't it? Um, but if things work out with Byron, they should be OK. They like Barley Mumber a lot as well, and he can play on the left. But if Yanoulis were to get an, a, a big injury early doors, then you'd be a bit worried, wouldn't you? So um, you'd probably be, uh, yeah, you're relying then on Mumber or, or Byron being able to, to play at left back. So, yeah, but as you framed it with the loans, I can't see them using one of them for, for a fullback, probably. Yeah, particularly if they're going to leave the door open for Skip. They certainly can't do that if they then go and sign Brandon Williams in a couple of weeks. So no. there's that element to it as well, I suppose. Uh, this is an interesting comment from Martin on Facebook. He said, with the signing of Angus Gunn and him eventually, obviously wanting first-team football eventually, how long uh, do you now give Cruel being Norwich's number one? Which is an interesting point. I think we've kind of spoken about this in terms of mid- to long-term planning and how several things work out. I mean, Cruel's 33 now. We've spoken about this a lot. Obviously, his career ambitions may differ if, if Norwich City end up getting relegation again. So there are several strands to this debate, I think, a little bit. But certainly for now, it seems like it will be Tim Krul as number one with Angus as number two. I mean, you speak about pre-season, given that Krul's currently away with the Netherlands in, in the Euros and, and will need a holiday, similar to, to I guess, Puki and, and Hanley, there will be an opportunity for Gunn to kind of stake his claim, you'd imagine, particularly at the start of pre-season. Yeah, I'd have thought with Krull and Poeta, they probably will. They will go away on a holiday, won't they? They'll have at least two weeks, but um, I wouldn't have thought too much more than that because um, a the Premier League there aren't as many games anyway, are there? It's not going to be anywhere near as frantic as last season was. Um, but but b they although that you do have to do a lot of work if you're in the squad, you're still doing all the training and the warming up and things like that. They haven't actually been playing games at the Euros, really, have they? I know Poeta came on the other night and didn't really cover himself in glory for the uh, for the for Sweden's winner. It looks like he's got a bit of criticism in Poland actually for sort of his lack of defensive tracking for for what was the crucial goal. Although the game was pretty much gone by that point, but um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes, but. I was just reminding myself, Tim Krull, of course, did sign a new contract at Christmas. So he's under under contract till 2024, um, but he's 33, isn't he? So um, it's kind of, I would imagine at this stage, it's whether next summer Tim is then thinking um, either way. You know, if Norwich go back down, yeah, I think we can probably all see the plan, can't we? That Angus becomes number one, Tim gets uh, to... to to, to if, if there are suitors to to get a move which keeps him in the Premier League, maybe not necessarily as a number one, but he could even go to one of the big boys, couldn't he? Uh, he could go to a Man United or a Chelsea and be their sort of high profile number two who plays some cup games and, and return to Newcastle, number. couldn't he? Could return, yeah, it's quite it's very possible. He's a, he's a bit of a hero up there, isn't he? And had a had a really really good spell with them. So, um, but if Norwich were to stay up, then it would probably need a a better deal. Um, there would be a big payday potentially in there as well when you step up to be one of those high-profile number twos at, at one of the big boys. You can be on some real good money, can't you? And as ever with a keeper, you'd be one injury or whatever away from getting opportunities in the Champions League, Europa League, whatever. So um, I think the important thing for here and now this season is that 
everybody pretty much is in, in agreement that Tim Krul is a good number one for Norwich in the Premier League. He was player of the season the last time, although they went down. And um, there's not really any debate over that. He, he is Daniel Farker's man, isn't he? And hopefully he can teach Angus Gunn a lot. But if things were to go wrong, we obviously hope they don't. Uh, Tim has had a serious knee injury, career-threatening injury in the past. You have got to have a good number two or a, or good competition um, at the least. And as Angus has shown with his spell at Southampton and watching your chat with the um, with the chat from the from Hampshire Live on that's on our YouTube channel as well. Um, Alex McCarthy um, took advantage of, of Angus Gunn, uh, I suppose, dropping form after the 9-0 against Leicester. And then subsequently, McCarthy's lost his place to Fraser Forster after they lost 9-0 to Manchester United in a slightly different scenario. So, um, you know, if Tim were to have a, a downturn in form, as we saw with John Ruddy, you know, Declan Rudd and Mark Bunn both came in for John Ruddy at, at one point, didn't they? Um, you've got to have a good option. And uh, that's what Ralph Fairman offered in the last Premier League season. And that is what Angus Gunn um, offers. And it and it suits Norwich nicely. It's all just knitted together at the right time, isn't it? It suits Angus, gives him some stability at a good time in his life, uh, long-term prospects as well. And then it gives that little bit of uh, wriggle room uh, for next summer for if they want to uh, sort of evolve that goalkeeper situation or if Tim has got his eye on, uh, on a step up the ladder. Yeah, worth mentioning as well, Archie Mayer today has been linked with Exeter and, and, and Rochdale. Obviously, was was on loan at Kings Lynn last season. Uh, the plan is to send him out on loan, isn't it? And if he can get an EFL loan, that would represent a step up. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they develop. Dan Barden was was linked with Livingston previously. So, lots of um, lots of sort of moving stuff in, in the goalkeeping department. But it looks like Cruel Gunn and McGovern is, is going to be the three now. Obviously, Orion Nyland's um, departure was confirmed as well by the club yeah. earlier this week. Uh, last five minutes or so. So, any more questions, do get them in and we'll try to get through them fairly quickly. Um, a couple here. Uh, we'll start with Flynn Clark, which has uh, come from James Hilton on Facebook. Uh, he, he's just said, thoughts on Flynn Clark. Uh, will he be given a chance next season? He's been announced like a player that will play. Uh, certainly from what we understand, I think the club even included this in their yeah. uh, announcement when they released the signing. He, he is going to form part of their development squad. I would imagine there's probably a loan route for him as well, but he's he's 18 years old. He's got time on his side. I don't think it's anything that needs to be rushed. As, as we know, Norwich have pathways for players. So, um, yeah, certainly not initially. Flynn Clark is is uh, is not going to be a, a name that you're familiar with in terms of first team. But, uh, yeah, the fact he's 18 and playing for the 23s is, is, is probably a good sign. And then uh, Olive Middleton has said, uh, often mentioned that, that Norwich have the smallest budget in the Premier League. How do Brentford compare financially? I mean, with Brentford, we see this. It's a very... I mean, people talk about clever recruitment and they tend to put Norwich and Brentford together, but actually the respective approaches of the two clubs are, are very different. And Brentford are owned by Matthew Benham, aren't they, who owns a, uh, an analytics company. They tend to recruit all their players based on purely metrics and data and finance and looking for kind of value based on statistics like expected goals. There are others as, as well. So that's the way they recruit. And we've seen them, I, guess, I suppose, adopt similarly sort of tactics to Norwich where they get a player to a certain level, Neil Morpé, going back even further, Scott Hogan, most re recently sort of Ollie Watkins, Benarama as well. They improve players to a level and then sell them for value. So it is a club that has sold similarly to Norwich their assets, maybe at different times, but in terms of resource, they probably have a bit more maybe than, than, than I'd say Norwich have in terms of owner-backed cash whether they generate the same amount of revenue is, is a bit different but um yeah two quite contrasting clubs Dave how, how do you think Brentford will look to approach the Premier League in in terms of financially I suppose do you think they will be one that that maybe as, as we've seen promoted clubs do in the past throw money at it or do you think they will look to try and tap into what they've done so far which is look for value and look for players I guess similarly to Norwich it's just different approaches to how they do it players that will maybe perform in the Premier League that may be underappreciated in the market elsewhere. Yeah, he's a pretty wealthy guy. There's an interesting backstory, isn't there, between him and Tony Bloom, the Brighton owner, who is a billionaire. Um, and they both sort of came up in sport gambling analytics, didn't they? Um, and um, sorry, just let me... Oh, no, never mind. Um, I thought I was getting a, an important message then, but not. Um, so they... Yeah, I don't think they'll be chucking money on it because he... That is an incredibly well-run club, Brentford, isn't it? As you say that, he's going to want players in in the same way that Stuart Webber has got his eyes on potentially, potentially there being resale value there because it's all one big long process. If 
if it all comes off and and you manage to uh, to nail it then you slowly build your way up the premier league and and get into european contention eventually by signing the right players selling them for big profits and continuing the process don't you but as we all know football's not as, as straightforward as that and you need continuity and consistency and stuff for things like that but um yeah he uh, he's got a bit of a network of clubs as well uh, behind brentford isn't he so he's somebody that has got a lot of money but who demands that the club um, washes its own face essentially and they don't have to be quite as financially uh, self-sustainable as Norwich do but he does want them to be run sensibly he's not someone who's putting in um, 50 million a season I don't think he's not they're not going to go and spend 150 million this summer like Fulham or Villa did because they've got billionaire owners who were just chucking money at it um, no Brent, Brentford's a much more sensible club and this is their first Premier League season I think their first top flight season for a for a long, long time, isn't it? Six, 60 years or something like that. And I think that was only a, a brief spell in the top flight a long time ago. So um, they've got that lovely new stadium. I think it's really interesting to see how they they do, but where they are in the uh, big scale of things at the moment, I think they will realise that a yo-yo season is probably the most likely thing to benefit them in the long term and, and, and keeping things nice and steady. And uh, as Norwich and, and Burnley and, and Bournemouth and, and whatever tried to do in the past. Yeah, uh, a well-run club, as, as people are pointing out. I think that just about wraps it up for this week. I think we've covered everything there is to cover. been a busy week, um, as you can imagine. Pinkin.com, of course, the place to go for more uh, in terms of transfers. Anything uh, that, that we hear will, will be on there. And, of course, plenty more video content to come your way as well. Until then, we'll see you next Friday, same time, same place. Thank you all very much for joining us. And we'll see you again soon.